All right, everybody. Thank you for joining another episode of League One on the Rocks. We are so excited to have you watching and listening, however you are indulging uh, tonight. We are going to be covering week 20 of the League One season. By the way, my name is Rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. Joined, as always, by the man next to me. Uh, he's joined by a special guest tonight. Uh, Brian, you can find him on Twitter at Mediocre Ace. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, we just, yeah, the, the co-co-host of the podcast, Archie, was just down here. And um, we started a little late because he was not happy to not have mom around. So he is now upstairs with her so we can have the show without without the constant whining of, of an eight-week-old puppy. So if you want to... I don't know, have a tug at your heartstrings, go check out Brian's uh, Twitter page. He posted a picture of Archie and Archie is absolutely adorable. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, he's he's a cute pup. Now, if I could just get him to stop biting everything, then we'd be all right. Random question. Did you notice that I was driving behind you on the way to the match last night? No, I didn't. Oh, I was even like looking like an idiot because I was waving, you know, trying to get your attention at the stoplight and everything. Oh, no, I was I was in pure. I want to get home and or I want to get to the match and start drinking those two dollar beers. <laughs> so that that was my main main goal last night. I got off the interstate and got onto 370 and perfectly timed it to get right behind you. And at first I saw the sticker of geo on your window. And I thought there's only a handful of people that have a geo sticker on the yes. back window. <laughs> True. And then I saw the rest of the stickers and I thought, Oh, I, I know who this is. And then I recognized <laughs> your vehicle because we've tailgated before. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, it uh, all came it's, together. It's, oh yes. It's all coming together. Perfect. Well, we are currently in August, but I can't, tell you how excited i am that we are currently in spooky season we have halloween coming up in a couple months um i was just talking to a co-worker i think it was two maybe yesterday even um she was saying that she's been staying overnight in her uh over she's been staying over the summer at her dorm on campus and she's been noticing some paranormal activity so she even had the campus priest come in and do an exorcism. Oh, wow. Yeah, like sprinkled the salt on the floor, did the holy water blessing over every single door. Like, because she lives in one of those like apartment style residences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went all out. And yeah, I, the, the story is absolutely hilarious. Um, I, I could go into details, but we are here to talk about League One soccer. So we're going to get into week 20 tonight. But before we do, Brian, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I have one Irish death and I think that is going to be enough for me. I partook, uh, quite a few $2 beers last night. So it was yeah. a little bit difficult to, uh, get going this morning and yeah, it's, it's hung around a little bit longer than I would have liked, but <laughs> I guess they say hair of the dog though, right? Isn't that the, the best yeah. way to cure, cure a hangover? Got so. it. Those Irish deaths are good. They are very good, yeah. Yeah. I am going to be finishing off the sour beer, and then I'm going to be diving into some light beers after that. But um, the sour beer is the one from Des Moines, so I'm, I'm finishing off that case. Speaking of Des Moines, uh, we have our friends from Des Moines Menace coming to the match this Saturday. They're going to use my tickets. 
Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good time. It's always good to see um, fans of the menace and Union Omaha supporting each other's teams. Yeah. One just wonders how much that's going to continue once both teams are in the championship. But Exactly. It'll be nice to have rivals that close, finally. And you have fair warning. There are going to be Menace fans in the section, so take it easy on them, all right? I, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try. I think, <laughs> uh, I think they know by now it's just good-natured ribbing and nothing, and nothing too crazy. And I think last time you had that good ribbing with them was when they played One Knox, right? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. And One Knox is coming into town again this this weekend. All right, which so. makes sense. Yeah, One Knox has yeah. got a few play- former Menace players on the team, so they do. It only makes sense that there'd be quite a few Menace fans out there. Yep. All right. Well, let's jump in. We got a full outline here. We're gonna throw a bunch of information at you guys. So week twenty featured four teams that played twice: Ford Madison, Tormenta FC. North Carolina and Northern Colorado. We didn't have any clubs that had a bye week. So to start off with the midweek match, we had Madison hosting Tormenta. They went the full 90 and Madison ended up losing to Tormenta four to one. Um, and I got to tell you, Madison struck early, early, early. And when I say early, I'm not kidding. 17 seconds into the match. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Christian Cheney uh, had a great feed from um, Andrew Wheeler. Just, I mean, and you would think this with it being 17 seconds into the match that it would be the fastest one in club history. No, not only is it not the fastest, it ties their record. If you have multiple goals scored that quickly, man, that's you've got some history in your club. So congrats to Ford Madison. Congrats to Christian Cheney getting a goal so quickly. Oh, yeah. But for the remainder of the 89 minutes and 43 seconds, it was all Tormenta. Um, because in the eighth minute, uh, Matthias Cassini scored an unassisted goal. And, you know, he scored a goal and then he started dancing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I I feel like we kind of knew last year that Cassini was having some issues in Madison and seemed like he wasn't quite fitting in with what the plan was up there. So for him to move on, I still don't necessarily like it, but then again, it is what it is. Players going to do what they want to do. In his defense, it did seem like he was hesitant to do any celebrations, but then as soon as his other teammates started getting into this, you know, sort of, you know, dance, he started, you know, feeling the groove too. And he started getting involved as well. So I don't want to like slander him and say that he was, you know, overly excited and way too eager to dance in front of the, the former fans. Um, But yeah, he ended up dancing in front of them. So there's, you know, still a little bit controversy there, but for that Cassini goal, Preston Kilwine had a great ball uh, forward. Now, it did touch a defender before Cassini, you know, ended up getting the ball and feeding it into the net. But for Preston Kilwine to feed that ball forward and to force the the momentum and the the movement, um, good idea on his part. Uh, and you know, it worked in his favor. So good on him. Yeah, definitely did. Um, and that's something and- that has kind of been apparent with. Tormenta. They have 
the pieces and you can tell that a lot of these players are really smart and well-coached players. So uh, I'm not super surprising at all to, uh, to see that Kilwine sent the ball um, in such a perfect way to set up the goal. Yeah. And speaking of great setups, Jackson Corey had a pair oh, of great setups for Kaziah Sterling in the 48th minute. And then again, in the 55th minute, those two were a dangerous duo that night. Mm-hmm. Um, that first header for Sterling, not an easy header, but credit to Sterling for getting his head on that and putting it in the back of the net. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that you have to have. I mean, uh, Kaziah Sterling is, is one of those big name players, especially for Tormenta that, you expect him to be able to um, make those kinds of plays and score those kinds of goals. I mean, that's what he was brought in here to do. It's what he's done consistently since he's been in the league. So, I mean, just another another day in the office for him. Yep. We already got some comments over in the YouTube live stream section. Uh, Ranting Blue Penguin Media, uh, Tim coming in saying, don't know, that puppy's uh, takes might be hotter than yours. Yeah, could be. He seemed pretty vocal to to throw his uh, opinion into the, the show before we got on to the air tonight. Yeah, that and chewing up my headphone cord. So he's trying to silence you. <laughs> you see, he's trying to silence me. He knows what's coming. What some of the takes are coming later. So, yep. And then Soup Loops coming in saying, "I feel like he deserves a little dance to counter Cheney's backflip." Totally true because Cheney did Fair. have. Another characteristic backflip as soon as he scored that 17 second goal. Yeah. I mean, that's his thing, man. He's, he's going to do it. Yeah. But getting back into the action in the 55th minute, when Kaziah Sterling did have that goal, once again, that second uh, pairing with Jackson Corey, that goal made him the all time leading scorer in Tormenta uh, club history. So congrats to him. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, Kaziah Sterling, what more can you say? Um, yeah. Kaziah Sterling goes with Tormenta FC and really just cements his legacy with that club. So yep. congrats to him. Currently leads the club with six goals this season. Next closest is McQuaylea uh, Kale with five. So it's a tight race for team lead down there in Statesboro. Mm-hmm. And Jackson Corey uh, leads the club in assists. Which, I mean, if he's throwing up a couple assists in a single match, yeah, he's going to be tallying up those marks pretty quickly. Next closest is Kingsford Ajay with uh, three. Yeah. And still, that's that's not a bad number either. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of clubs right now that are getting assists by committee. Each guy's got like one assist. So you've been having guys that have five and three is still very impressive. And just when you think Jackson Corey... Couldn't get involved in the match anymore. He scores the fourth Tormenta goal in the 68th minute off an assist from Nikakoto. So that was Jackson Corey's fourth of the season. And that mm-hmm. was Nikakoto's second assist of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's... Jackson Corey had himself a night. I mean, did. what more can really be said? And watching this match, I mean, he was all over the pitch and making plays all over the pitch. Um, it didn't seem early on it was going to be Tormenta's night, but man, when they came on, they came on quick and they really made the best of all of the chances that they were given from an uncharacteristically bad 
performance for uh, Madison's defense. And see, even despite the fact that the scoreline was so wide, there were still some good moments where Burton Shipman was throwing out some good saves. I mean, even Pablo Hara had a, mm-hmm. had some good saves on the night. It was just, it was one of those where when you watch the match, it didn't seem to fully reflect what was happening on the scoreboard. There was a lot of excitement, you know, big saves like we just mentioned. Uh, there was a ball that hit the post. There was a 1v1 with the keeper. I mean, there was some exciting things happening throughout the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, obviously, uh, Shipman's not going to get any accolades for his performance in this match, but I think there is something to be said uh, that this match very easily could have been a six or a seven goal night for Tormenta, if not for some of the saves from Shipman. I mean, it, like I said, it was an uncharacteristically bad night. We're not used to seeing Madison's defense put up a performance like they did um, that night against Tormenta. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's crazy to think that this team, not but a week and a half ago, were being thought of as one of the elite teams in the league. Um, I mean, that's not really a knock on Madison because I don't think there's any truly elite teams at this point in the season. Looking at the table, it is damn close, and it's anybody's anybody's race at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, if you you really got a feel for for Madison's defense in this one, uh, they did not play well, and it it came back to bite them. Um, but also, huge props to Tormenta for actually getting in there and getting the job done. That is a win that they very very badly needed. Yeah. I tried to find some post-match quotes from Ian Cameron, but I couldn't find any in uh, the the club's recap that they posted on their website. But I did find a post-match quote from Glazer over at Ford Madison. He said, I think we we were feeling a little too confident going into this one. The early goal gave us a boost, but then we didn't have enough energy to uh, for the rest of the match. And Christian Cheney seemed to echo that by saying, we weren't as sharp tonight. I'm sorry. We weren't as sharp tonight. Sometimes coming off a break where you don't play any league games in over a week, it can help or hurt you. Um, I'm glad that Cheney didn't use the break as as an excuse for, for their performance. He said that it can either help or hurt you. Um, he didn't necessarily place the entire blame on the fact that they did have a break. Um, I do agree with Glazer. I don't think... I think that they went into the match looking too much at the table and seeing the the degree of separation between them and thinking, yeah, okay, we can, we got this, we can win this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree with Glazer. I, I do think they went in a little too confident. Let me look really quick. Mm-hmm. Well, while you're doing that, I'll uh, catch up. We have uh, Tim with ranting blue penguin media uh, saying we thought Northern Colorado was, we shot, we thought Charlotte was Madison is just another that could be, but we haven't, but we have had some results that don't say elite. And I think that's fair. I mean, that's that's across all teams so far this yeah. season. There's been some head scratchers for every single team in the league. So um, yeah. there's, there's not a whole lot of difference between a whole lot of these teams, it seems like. 
Yeah, and we're certainly going certainly to be uh, talking about some of those here in just a bit. Uh, so looks like in week 16, Ford Madison beat Tormenta 1-0. So yeah, I mean, it's entirely plausible that once again, they saw the history of their season series, they saw the, the table, and they went in a little overconfident. And then scoring in 17 seconds in, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, there were, there were some mental games they were playing with themselves there. And, I mean, I completely agree with Cheney's thought, too, that, I mean, it, it can help you or it can hurt you. I mean, it just really yeah. is, depends on your mindset coming in, into and out of the break. And it, it may help them a little bit further down in the season, if that makes sense as well. I mean, it. It can hurt you right now, but if it means you're fresh for games further on down the line, that's okay too. And we saw earlier in the season where when clubs would have a a bye week, they would bring in an international friendly. We saw that with Fuego. We saw that with Ford Madison. I think it was a smart decision by Glazer to not bring in another international friendly during this break. Because you're heading into the the stretch, the final stretch of the season. You this this is this was a valuable you know time for them to rest and recover and prepare for that time that's coming at them very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, there were some strong performances. Obviously, there's going to be three that stick out the most. So, Brian, who are you looking at? Um, so for the first star, generally speaking, that's our, our top scoring performer. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's going to go with Kaziah Sterling with two goals, um, on two shots as well. Um, a little bit under reported of stats. I mean, he's, he also completed 75% of his accurate passes, created two chances as well. Um, and was only dispossessed twice. So, I mean, we all know how good Kaziah Sterling can be, and this was just proven um, proven here. Um, my second star, which is the outstanding overall performance, I feel like you have to give it to Jackson Corey. I mean, one goal, two assists on 90 minutes, um, 78% accurate passing, four passes into the final third, on 47 touches total that's that's some numbers that are are really uh really good especially playing out of that left back uh left back with five guys in the backfield for tormenta in this match which was also a little strange and not something i don't know i don't know if tormenta's used that a whole lot this season or if they've just started in this formation and kind of shifted and um and that thing, but it's an interesting formation to see up against the three five two. Um, and my third one, I don't want to give them all to Tormenta, so I will give it to Christian Cheney. I mean, you score a goal that quickly, yeah, obviously you'll come in. But um, he also was ninety five percent on his accurate passes. Um, took three shots and all three of his shots were on target. So, I mean, he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing to, um, 
to get wins for for Madison and unfortunately just that the back line of Madison just did not have a very strong match at all. And it also looked like the left side of their defense was getting taken advantage of a little bit by uh, Kingsford and Sterling on that side. So granted, those are two really tough guys to have to play against. So if they catch you on the right day, they can take anybody. Yep. So true. And speaking of, mismatches we're going to move on to another midweek match this was north carolina hosting northern colorado and this one folks this not only is this a potential playoff uh, match this is a potential championship match and these two went at it this was a fun one to watch mm-hmm. um i i know that a lot of the fans were predicting a Northern Colorado win because of their, I think at the time it was like a 12 game win streak or undefeated streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like what they had five points at the top of the table. So this week they literally could have lost both of their matches and still remained in first place. They just needed some help, you know, along the way. And sure enough, I mean, Northern Colorado took a vacation during this week and they still came out the tail end in first place. I mean, it's crazy. Anyways, getting into this one, we had a pair of goals coming from Louis Perez and Olex Anderson. Louis Perez in the 45th minute, that direct kick. Oh, was man. Absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Going up and over the wall, went right into uh, the near post. Now, Lalo Delgado was there. He tried to parry it, you know, tried to get it around the post, but, you know, ended up knocking it in. It was a beautiful shot from Louis Perez. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's something that we've we've seen from him before, right? I mean, he this is not the first time Perez has done this. It, we've seen it before, and this is just another level to his game that, that he can do instead of just being a guy facilitating on that right side of the field, he can also score goals in dangerous positions. So um, that makes him one of those very versatile players. And I mean, he's already a part of a very loaded offense for NCFC. So, I mean, it's, he's found a system that is really working for him. And you can tell with his stats this year that it's, it is really working out. And then as Northern Colorado was pushing, I mean, in the second half, they had 70% of the possession. It was one-way traffic the entire half. And as a result of that, they were pushing their numbers up. They had all the momentum going forward. All North Carolina had to do was dip a ball up high over the back line the other way. And sure enough, that's exactly what Christian Young did in the fifth minute of extra time in the second half to feed Olex Anderson for a 1v1 against uh, Lalo Delgado. And he ended up coolly finishing it in the back of the net. This one was his 10th of the season. But, I mean, this guy looks like an absolute pro. Uh, you would not think this was his 10th of the season. I mean, you see the way that some of these players are finishing with the confidence that they are. This is Oleg Anderson. I mean, he may be in second place in the golden boot, but 
this guy is this guy is something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it. <clears throat> you could kind of see the way, like you said, how they were able to sit back and then just waiting to um, pounce with that counterattack, which we've seen before in League One that these counterattacks can be deadly against teams that are especially like Northern Colorado, who have very good players up front that can score goals. So they're going to be able to push those guys forward. Um, but yeah, just caught them on the counter. And I mean, I don't, I don't even think I can add anything to the commentary from all about Olex Anderson. I mean, the guy's just that good. Yeah. That, Everybody knows it by now, and if you don't know it, you should know it. So, yep. As Olex Anderson was running onto that long ball, as soon as he settled the ball and he kept dribbling toward the goal, it was that one v one with Lalo Delgado. And I was, and I was thinking, this looks exactly like the old school MLS dribble up penalty kicks that you saw back in the nineties. It was so funny. I was laughing. I had a good time. Yeah, and I mean he he put it away exactly like how they would there too. He just forced he forced Delgado to make a decision and then went around him it perfectly taken must have been watching some old film from MLS PKs must have been <laughs> so there were some good chances for North Carolina I I keep wanting to say Northern Colorado but I this is one of those wrong to get a tongue twister here <laughs> but Rafa Menzigan had a good direct kick early in the first half um it went just over the bar, but it scared Lalo enough that he was diving up trying to clear the ball. Um, it was, man, this was this was a fun one to watch. And, you know, Olex Anderson drew that PK in the first half. Lalo saved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was McLaughlin shot. It was not a good PK. I, let's, let's clear that one. Yeah, but still, all credit to... Um keeper on that i mean it it's hard enough being a keeper in a pk situation that any save is a good save even if the penalty was right at you it's still a good save yeah and speaking of uh good keeper work northern i'm sorry the seat there it is north carolina's (laughs) goalkeeper trevor mulqueen uh earned his first clean sheet with north carolina Mm mm-hmm we have some other, you know, stats here. Olex Anderson scored in his last four games uh, after this one, and uh-huh. Northern Colorado's uh, twelve match unbeaten streak came to an end. Now, after the match, we did get some quotes from both club, uh, both head coaches, uh, in the team recaps. Northern Colorado's acting coach, Colin Falvey. Uh, who was standing in for Eamon Zayed because Eamon had the yellow card accumulation. Anyways, um, acting coach Colin Calvin uh, Falvey, sorry, uh, came in and said, we arrived in good areas many, many times. It was just the final pass, final shot. The quality of the guys up front uh, has been good all year. Unfortunately, we just didn't have it tonight. And that was echoed by Northern Colorado's captain, Rob Cornwall, who said, we got in good spaces, but it just wasn't our night. We just couldn't finish. Um, and in John Bradford's post-match quotes, he was mentioning how it was the team's best and most focused week of training, which I fully believe because North Carolina wants to climb those standings and they see that Northern Colorado is within striking distance. What better way to prove that you belong not only at the top of the standings, 
but in a first round buy of the playoffs by taking down the team that is at the top of the table. So good focus from North Carolina heading into this one. Yeah. And I mean, it, you can kind of tell that both of these um, quotes or all three of these quotes um, hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it, the, the shitty thing for Northern Colorado fans is that, you know, how good the team is and they did just didn't have it on um on display in this match which happens to everyone it's not something that you can just take one match and then say well shit well we're gonna start losing matches and this and that everybody has off nights and this just happened to be a very good northern colorado team up against a very good north carolina team and one team just didn't have it and the other team had all of it so it's it's just what happens. It would definitely be interesting to see what would happen if both of these teams were firing on all cylinders and playing at the same time. Yeah. Maybe Let that's a, a playoff preview, but... Oh, yeah, I totally believe that. Let me ask you a quick question. So because of Northern Colorado's acting coach, Colin Falvey, uh, joining in here and filling in for Eamon Zion... Do you attribute the loss at all to the fact that Zayed was not there? I think you can definitely put a little bit of stock in that. Um, Typically speaking, when teams have interim or like acting coaches, they tend to play games like this, where maybe they're not completely on, and that could be attributed to a ton of things. I mean, anybody who's superstitious will tell you like even not having a guy in the locker room at one point or another changes that dynamic. So, um, and obviously we hear Eamon on the sideline when you watch Northern Colorado games because of how close the microphones are to the pitch themselves. So you hear he's out there and constantly talking with the team. So um, I don't know if, Colin was necessary, necessarily as vocal as Eamon is, but I mean, it, I'm sure it's somewhat similar, but it's still not the same guy you're used to hearing, and those little things can be killers. And I don't want to say or lead any of the thought into saying that Colin is a bad coach in any way, shape, or form. Oh, no, not at all. Um, because, you know, he's he's a very trusted coach along with Zayed, you know that he is very familiar with uh, Zayed's system. He knows how to to can you continue to implement that in his absence. So I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but like you were saying, any sort of mixture to that chemistry can sometimes affect you in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's a, a match like this, right? Like two very high-powered offenses, two very high-in-the-table teams, and there's a lot of emotion that goes into a match like that. So again, it's just one of those things. It, it was one team's night and it wasn't the other team's night that, and that happens in sports. Yep. Well, we go from one Northern Colorado loss to the next. They went from losing to North Carolina on the road to losing to Charlotte on the road. So this was not a good week for Northern Colorado facing the Dogwood Derby. 
um, Dogwood Derby, sorry, um, clubs. Uh, so this one was a four to one loss on the road. And once again, fans felt that Northern Colorado was going to win this by a very large margin, 72% for Northern Colorado, 16 for Charlotte. Oh, which makes sense though, right? I mean, if you look yeah. at the the runs of form between these two teams up to this point, Charlotte was on a bit of a downhill, whereas Northern Colorado hit a little bit of a hiccup before the match before this, but still looked like a really good team that you would not think would have two not complete matches in a row under their belt. The team is yeah. just not built that way. And for Charlotte, this was the Dane Kelly show. Um, yeah. He showed up. Not only did he win the PK in the 10th minute, he put it away. Yes. You draw it, you take it. There we go. Yeah. Dane exactly. Kelly, you are a man of the show. <laughs> and this was an easy call for a PK. I mean, he was clearly oh, pulled yeah. down. Easy call. You can't argue it. It was a yeah. PK. I don't even think anybody on the pitch argued that call. <laughs> I don't know how they could have, but I I don't even remember seeing anybody make even a fuss about it. So, Yeah, they probably saw that foul like, all right, it's a PK. Put the ball in the dot. Take your fucking kick. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get this over with. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dane Kelly did convert the penalty kick. It was his fifth goal of the season. It was his first penalty kick of the season. Um, and it was a beautiful feed from Miguel Ibarra to lead him into the box, uh, and make him available for, um, you know, um, you know, drawing that foul. So, uh, credit to Miguel Ibarra, even though he wasn't, you know, included in the stat sheet on that one. Right. And then in the 29th minute, Charlotte doubled their lead when Avion Flanagan scored his first goal of the season. And this was a great shot from just about the 18-yard line. Mm -hmm. Now, if you rewind just a little bit from that shot at the 18-yard line, you'll see that he dribbled pretty much from the midline through the defense to that 18-yard midline, or I'm sorry, 18-yard line to take the shot. And the entire way to the, uh, the penalty area, there was very little pressure on him. So, I mean, he had an open channel. He had an open lane. He took it. He scored. I mean, credit to him for getting that goal. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, he did have an assist from JJ, second of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it was one of those goals that you could, you're, you see this in League One. I know we've talked about this before a couple of times, but this is definitely a league of, matchups and a league of one on one and just drive from single players. Um, yeah. And this was just one of those there. I think we actually have a couple of those this week, just really great individual efforts to um, set up goals. So um, it's really coming out in the league right now. Yeah. And to counter that point uh, where you said that there's been some good individual goals in the 49th minute, Northern Colorado had a great team goal a lot of very intricate passing getting themselves into the final third um getting along that goal line and feeding it back in for uh for an easy finish for billy king mm -hmm. from bruno rendon good just a fun team goal to watch 
And right, this is that's the kind of play that we're used to from this Northern Colorado team. This Northern Colorado team is almost the exception that proves the individual effort rule because a lot of their goals come from great team buildup. They are one of those teams where their midfield really dominates and really sets the pace for their attackers. And so that's, I mean, that that is the team that we thought we were going to see in the last two matches for Northern Colorado, but unfortunately we just saw flashes of it, which has not yep. had been what they've been all season. And like you alluded to, just when you think that Northern Colorado is going to make something interesting, Charlotte doubles uh, their lead up uh, the, on the goal differential here with a Fabrice and God goal. It was his first of the season. Uh, got an assist from Gabriel Overton. Now, I got to ask you, which was prettier, the patience from Gabriel Overton to wait for the window to open so he could feed Inga or the, um, or the goal from Inga himself? Oh, that's really tough. They're both really, really good plays. Um, but I, I really think the patience from Oberton to be able to feed him in and it, something like that. It, the hold-up play is a very underrated aspect of the game that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I know it gets mentioned here or there, but a lot of the time... It, we don't, I feel like a lot of people, especially more casual fans, don't understand how big of a um, impact it actually has in the pace of play. So if you have guys that know when they need to hold the ball and wait for these runs to happen and let let it develop, it's almost like, I'm going to use like a like college football reference, it's almost like waiting for watching somebody run the option and just waiting for those defenders to get sucked in. And it's the same exact idea. You're waiting for defenders to get caught flat footed or make their decision. And then you can make your decision based off of what the defenders do. And a lot of times in the league, it it feels like a lot of the players want to rush to, okay, let's keep the ball moving. Let's do this. And they're almost, I don't want to say afraid, but for lack of a better term, they're afraid to, slow down the pace of the game and really get technical and methodical with it, which I feel like Oberton is one of the best in the league at being able to do that. Oh yeah. And both he and Fabrice wasted very little time in making an impact because both of those guys subbed, excuse me, subbed into the match just two minutes prior to scoring this goal. So like you said, that's just the the kind of quality that Oberton has and the, the quality that he brings and the kind of impact that he can have immediately off of the bench. Right. And I mean, this is that's that was Charlotte's thing that we talked about at the beginning of the season, that the super high powered offense of Charlotte being able to do exactly what they did in this match. This is the Charlotte team that is fighting for that top spot. The question that I do have for Charlotte is, can they keep it going and be able to build off of this match where they really showed their prowess on offense and being able to hold up the ball and be able to play through the midfield so well that their defense wasn't a liability in this particular match. So, I mean, it's one of those high-powered offense and decent defense, and 
they hung their hat on that and and at least in this match it it paid off and just to finish things off dan kelly scored the first goal he's going to score the last one in the 82nd minute he scored his sixth goal of the season that goal ties him for first with trezor and buyu for club leader in goals and we just finished talking about overton we're going to bring him right back into the mix because he had an assist for dane kelly it was a great feed down the middle and a great feed by dane kelly i'm sorry great finish by dane kelly just an all-around great goal yeah i completely agree and excuse me i'm about to sneeze excuse me so uh, Charlotte did almost score in the fourth minute, so they could have easily added more goals to this uh, scoreline. So they definitely came out guns a-blazing. Mm-hmm. Um, after the match, Charlotte's head coach, Mike Jeffries, uh, said to the club, said in the club recap, I thought we showed a lot of composure on the ball, especially in the first half. We moved the ball well, we were patient when we needed to be, and we were direct when we needed to be. I, I, I like the the emphasis that he has on being patient when they need to be and when they were direct when they need to be because it shows the like you were just saying earlier about the the intelligence of the players that are in this league this is one of those moments where he can train them all week leading up to the match but it's it's up to them when they take the field on Saturday and this is one of those moments where they they took what he was giving them and they they succeeded i mean it was just, it was a great showing of discipline from Charlotte Independence this week. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. On the flip side, we did have a uh, quote from Northern Colorado's coach, Eamon Zayed, who was back from suspension. He said after the match, the good thing is that we get to run it back against Charlotte in a month. We get to run it back against North Carolina in a month and we'll be better. It's been tough. It's been a tough road trip physically. The guys just look gassed. The heat and the humidity has been difficult to adjust to. And I don't think we gave a fair reflection of ourselves over the last week. So let's let's talk about this here. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was a fair assessment to say that uh, this was attributed to the weather that I don't want to play the, the, the weather or the anything like that game, because the same can be said of any team that travels up to Windsor to play Northern Colorado. I mean, we, these guys are professional athletes at the, at the end of the day. So, um, I don't buy the heat and humidity have been difficult to adjust to. Is it hard to do? Like, yes, of course, obviously the difference between Windsor, Colorado and North Carolina, weather are polar opposites, damn near, you know what I mean? But at the same time, they are professional athletes. Their bodies are built up in the off season to be able to do this. And there's nothing wrong with saying that we just look gas. It's been a long road trip I think it could have just been cut off there and we didn't need to throw in weather being an issue. But I do also agree with his final point saying that 
he doesn't think that they gave a fair reflection to themselves over the last week. Yeah. I, I would think anybody that has watched Northern Colorado this year can completely agree with that. This was yeah. not the Northern Colorado team we've been used to seeing, especially in the past five or six weeks leading up to these two matches. It looked like a completely different team. And maybe it is just the stress of the season finally kind of catching up with them. And, and then on top of that being a a road trip and on top of that being the heat and humidity, then then it's fine. It's a compounding issue. I would never want to put it out there. And I don't think Eamon was saying that the heat and humidity was the biggest factor, but we can't use it as a as a crutch. Because like I said, any team that goes up to Northern Colorado can then just say, well, we didn't play well because we're not used to playing in altitude. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, okay, you're of course. Like that's kind of goes without saying. Yes, it's going to be different, but I mean, we've seen Northern Colorado go in and play well on the road against other teams in similar climates. So I think it was it was more of a tough match with um uh with North Carolina, the match before this and then compounded with another physical team in Charlotte that yeah. can run a lot and will run circles around you. And I think it's a fair assessment to say they look gassed after two very physically demanding matches from two very physical teams. And I, I feel like they've played a lot of matches lately too because of the fact that they had so many games in hand. Mm-hmm. They were playing a lot more frequently than everybody else in the league to catch up. Yeah. Um, even sitting right now, Northern Colorado and North Carolina have three games in hand on Charlotte. So they still have more games to play in the coming second half of the season. Um, so, but at this, at I do agree that fatigue was an issue. I agree that travel was an issue. Um, I think the frequency of the play of their schedule was also an issue. Um, I wouldn't necessarily, like you said, I wouldn't necessarily be as eager to mention the the heat and humidity. Yes, it is a factor when you go down to that area of the country. But, I mean, I would more speak to, hey, we played North Carolina. We got to follow it up immediately playing Charlotte. Like, fuck, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also have to read into this quote and think there's because of the fact that they lost both of those matches, they're now one point above North Carolina in the standings. Mm-hmm. So Northern Colorado is looking at those standings and thinking, well, shit, if I don't, I don't want to go back down to North Carolina for playoffs or even the championship. So we right. better win as much as we can for the rest of the season so that we can guarantee a home seat the rest of the, the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So the pressure's on. Definitely. All right. So now we're moving on to the three stars. Brian, what you got for me? Right. So the first of my three stars for this match is going to go to Dane Kelly. Um, obviously, with the two goals, uh, 10 of 13 for his accurate passes, uh, only 28 touches total two passes into the final third and was called offsides twice. So you can really tell that 
Kelly was looking to attack this gassed defensive line for uh, Northern Colorado. So obviously he he made a huge impact. Um, my second one, I actually want to give a shout out to Northern Colorado's Bruno Rendon. Um, played all 90 minutes, had one assist, 88% accurate passes, 50 of 57 uh, with two chances created, um, 84 touches, six passes into the final third, and was only dispossessed one time and drew two fouls. So the kind of lone bright spot on Northern Colorado besides obviously the Billy King goal. Um, but outside of those two guys for Northern Colorado, not not their best work for sure. And I will give my third one. I think I'm going to give this one to Austin Pack. Played 90 minutes, had five saves in this match. So obviously five saves in this. Um, if he misses all five of those, they end up losing six to four. So huge. Um, four of those saves being inside the box, two of which has diving saves um, and had five recoveries in this time. So obviously Austin Pack again, showing that he is a defensive monster in this league. Yeah, it was, it was, that, that was a, a great match to watch and i hope everybody if you have the option to go back and watch that one go watch it um all right let's move on to i think we're into the weekend matches now oh we we, we have been we have we're been. Going yeah. to the second. <laughs> second weekend match we've got lexington hosting richmond this one ended up 2-2 this one was interesting very exciting match yeah, this one was fast. It was loose. It was physical. It was fun. It was exciting. I mean, I, I don't care if you're a Lexington fan, if you're a Richmond fan, if you're a League One fan in general, this one was a fun one to watch. Man, there was bad penalty calls. There was everything <laughs> in this match. <laughs> yeah. All kinds of drama. <laughs> um. And Nil Vignoles had a hell of a match. Oh, um, man. Opened the scoring in the seventh minute with his second goal of the season. Clever touch to get by Kalen Fox there in the box. Um, man, just a, uh, a good team effort. Now, in the 10th minute, Don Smart scored a PK again. Mm -hmm. If you look further into his stats, this is his fourth goal of the season. Every single one of those goals has been from the dot. Right, but that's and, what you do with a veteran player. I mean, a guy that's exactly. been there, done that, you, you send him to the to the spot. And speaking of veteran players, he is tied with Richmond's Emiliano Terzaghi with four penalty kick goals. And Tormenta's Kaziah Sterling is only one behind with three penalty goals. It's crazy. So, with a couple teams yeah. in the league getting their first penalties of the entire season mm. this weekend. Yep. That, that's a crazy stat. And 
in the 16th minute. We're in the 16th minute, and we're already setting a, a, a score of 2-1 to one for Richmond. Uh, another Neil Vignoles goal, uh, his third of the season. This was an incredible free kick from the side going to the far post. Gorgeous. Just a absolutely gorgeous shot. And this is something you expect from Neil Vignoles, honestly. Um, I know he gets a lot of a lot of love for his assisting and his build-up play, but I mean, in this match, he showed that he can score goals too. So he's another viable attacking option for for Richmond. So, and it's honestly something Richmond has needed, and it needed him to step up in a big way like this. Yeah, and you hate to see a match in this way, but there was an own goal in the 68th minute from Simon Fitch. Balogun fed the ball into the box. I'm not quite sure what Fitch was trying to go for. If he was trying to do a soft pass back to Akira Fitzgerald for a clearance, or if he was just trying to concede a corner kick, either way, it went off uh, Fitch's foot and into the back of the net. It was, you could see that he was heartbroken as soon as it happened. Uh, Either way, very unlucky. It just, yeah, you don't want to see it in that way. No, but I mean, I'm Lexington will take it. Lexington fans will um, too. So to me, it kind of seemed like he was trying to play the ball out and just get rid of it because the way Lexington was playing, again, they were on top of their game and trying to claw their way back into this match, which is something we've seen with Lexington where they get behind and they they really they're really able to use that to their advantage and try to bring themselves back into the match. I think they do really well as a team fighting back from adversity. So um, obviously them pressuring as much as they were forced um, Fitch to try to play the ball out and just unfortunately hit the wrong part of his foot and send it into the back of the net. Now, I mean, that's, that's a heartbreaker for him, but it also happens in the game, and it just it is what it is. And credit, full credit to uh, Balogun too for feeding the ball into the box. Because I mean, he'd been doing it all night, sending boxes right across or sending crosses right across the face of goal um, into that eighteen-yard box just all night long. So it was a matter of time for Lexington to either get one of their own or something like this to happen. Yeah, and. Speaking of this being a tale of two halves, that's exactly what Sam Stockley equated this to when he spoke it to the club's uh, recap, um, you know, writer after the match. He said, I think it was a game of two halves. I'm a little bit frustrated with the first half just because we've been better than that, but I'm very pleased with the second half. We dug in and got something out of the game against the quality team. And I I fully believe what he was saying there. I, I think that that's a good analysis of of the the match we we watched when we watched this one yeah i agree all right let's fast forward into some of the the three stars who you got for this one um obviously your top performer is going to be neil vignoles i think that's not really a surprise to anyone um from this match all 90 minutes played three shots on goal two of them being goals 88 percent on his accurate passing um 
all three of his shots were on target as well. And with five passes into the final third, there's that facilitating that we know Neil Vigneault's for um, coming into play there as well. And was only dispossessed one time and recovered seven times as well. So a true box-to-box player for Neil Vigneault's in this match. Um, the second one, I, I'm going to have to give it to Don Smart because just what a veteran, what a veteran, and what a veteran move for that PK. I mean... And everything down from the mind games to the actual um the actual shot itself just screams professionalism and um and class from a guy who's been around the sport for as long as he has so uh don smart's gonna get that second nod and the third nod for me personally <sighs> oof it's tough, but I think I'm going to go with Nathan Awning. Um, played all 90 minutes at center back for Richmond. 88% on his accurate passes. Passed the ball into the final third 11 times in this match as a center back. Um, was also 69%, nice, on his accurate long balls. Um, and also recovered five times. So doing the defensive work, but also facilitating that that Richmond kickers attack that we we know can be very potent at times. So he gets the final nod for me. Nice. Those are good choices. I was surprised by the Nathan Ani, but then when you started reading the stats, like, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do like the players that play both ways and are able to facilitate, obviously, as we talked about from the Northern Colorado match as well. Yep. Well, next we move on to the Den when they hosted North Carolina. Teams have not been very fortunate playing in the Den this this season, but North Carolina came out with the win, two to one. Uh, yeah. Strong performance, both offense and defense uh, for North Carolina. Uh, Chattanooga, man, they had some chances to score. Their offensive uh, XG was two point zero seven. So, man, they were. Mm-hmm. They were firing. Yeah. And unfortunately, just what we're kind of used to seeing with Chattanooga this season, just the defense just really is not is not there right now. Um, again, just not clicking for them as a team right now. And I'm sure um, also being out um, their coach. Hope, hope everything's going well with coach out there. Um but unfortunately, health issues has him off of the the pitch for right now. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's going to be tough. Like we talked about earlier, any little any little changes can really mess with players. And when you find yourself in Charlotte's or excuse me in Chattanooga's position, it, it, you're already having not the season you want. So. Losing a veteran coach like Jimmy Weekly is also not going to help things. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, um, just couldn't get it going against a very good North Carolina team until it was too late. Yeah, and speaking of that support, so you you mentioned that Chattanooga wasn't having the greatest season, but they are having some good support. We saw a pretty good attendance. How is that stacking up 
with their regular attendance. Yeah, so in this match, we saw 2,717 fans for them. Um, and that is well over their, that's 300 fans over their average of 2,400. And that actually, Chattanooga, for having not the best season in the world, are still bringing fans out to that that beautiful stadium that they have out there. Um, in they're sitting fourth right now in overall attendance. Obviously you have the two Titans up top of Richmond and Madison in the, in the uh, attendance game, but Chattanooga and really all the teams this season, there's not really a whole lot of teams that are sitting below or in a negative year over year right now. So the league as a whole, I believe is up, um, 20 yeah it is 23 percent over last season so um credit especially credit to chattanooga fans coming out there and making the den the formidable place to be that it is and continuing to do that even when results aren't going your way yeah and results not going their way 33rd minute they held them off long enough but 33rd minute raheem somersault scored his first goal of the season and uh, it was a Christian Young assist for his second of the season. Mm-hmm. They doubled their lead in 39th when Rafa, I mean, Rafa, I mean, he can't stop him, scored yep. his seventh of the season. They know all about him out there. Yep. Uh, now, Chattanooga did get one back in the 83rd minute when Pedro Hernandez got his second goal of the season. He sits third in team scoring, and Aaron Lombardi got his first assist of the season. Aaron Lombardi, that's an name we were saying a lot last season Mm -hmm. uh dealing with some injuries this season uh glad to see him getting back and getting on the stat sheet yeah but this match was all about the the young guys uh getting their professional starts their professional goals raheem somersault scored his first professional goal and his first professional assist of the season um in this game not only that uh, Chattanooga, Johnny, uh, Felipe, uh, new loan from Hartford athletic looked good when he was playing on the field with the red wolves. This is going to be a guy that could be dangerous in the coming weeks. He plays as a center attacking midfielder. And not only is he good at drawing fouls, but also with the link up play to the top line. So keep an eye on him in the coming weeks. Uh, kudos to Chattanooga for holding North Carolina to only two shots in the second half yeah and even despite that north carolina did win the match two to one like we've already said they are undefeated in six matches they have scored a goal in each of their last six matches totaling 12 goals across those six matches and we mentioned young guys getting the the start on both sides we failed to mention that north carolina's goalkeeper brooks thompson made his north carolina debut that night so Congrats to him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And we did mention Jibby Weekly earlier. Uh, this was the last match that he coached with Chattanooga before going on his medical leave. Uh, after the match, he was quoted as saying, we got to finish those opportunities. We played well in terms of creating chances and putting shots on frame. It's just the final product that we are struggling with right now. And then on the other side of the field, uh, North Carolina's head coach, John Bradford, very positive about his club saying i'm extremely proud of this group for grinding out an extremely important road win after a challenging midweek game 
we have a determined group that was focused on getting the result tonight. Yep. I mean, it, it definitely showed. And I mean, this is something that we really, um, kind of grow to know, grew to know about John Bradford is that he is, he's one of those guys that even when things get kind of tough for the team, he always has that positive attitude that really keeps the, um, really keeps the team going. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that obviously North, North Carolina was has been kind of here and there, but yeah, definitely an important road win because this is not an easy place to play by any stretch of the imagination. As I mean, we've been singing their praises all season long, and we'll continue to do so because they are still putting up insane uh, amounts of fanfare out there for Chattanooga. Yep. All right, we had some. So we already mentioned uh, several names just in the past two minutes. Uh, give us some of the three that you think were the best from this match. Just closed mine out on accident. Okay, here we go. Um, first one, I want to give the nod to Somersault from NCFC. Played all ninety minutes, uh, had a goal and the assist. Sixty-four percent accurate passing. Um, Four passes into the final third was only dispossessed twice as well. Um, two interceptions as well from that midfield spot. So doing exactly what a central midfielder should do and playing both ways. So Summer Hassal gets the first uh, nod. The second nod has got to go to, uh, to one of my favorite players in the league, Rafa Mensingen. 87 minutes played, one goal. Um, 75% accurate passes, 51 touches, six passes into the final third, and seven recoveries out there on that right side. Also drew four fouls while committing no fouls. So a um, a very good night for Rafa Mensingen as well. And my third star... Got to give it to Pedro Hernandez for Chattanooga. Gets the goal, only playing 33 minutes. Excuse me. Uh, 78% accurate passes. One pass into the final third in those 33 minutes um, while recovering once as well. So for not a whole lot of playing time, a lot of impact for the young Pedro Hernandez. All right, there were some good names there. I like those. Um, so we did mention that Chattanooga did um, have a coaching change. Uh, just a few days ago, they did name the an interim head coach while uh, Jimmy Weekly goes on medical leave. Mm -hmm. The new um, interim coach is going to be, let me cut his name here really quick, um, Scott McKenzie, who was the, uh, head coach of the Park City Red Wolves, uh, Chattanooga's USL League 2 club based in Utah. Uh, he will be taking over as the head coach of the USL 1 club. So we do wish uh, Jimmy Weekly the best in his uh, medical leave. Um, Speedy recoveries for him. Yeah, certainly don't want anything you know bad coming his way. So 
Uh, we're rooting for you, Jimmy. You know, whatever it is, kick its ass. Yeah, and obviously we want to see the best, um, the best product on the field, and not saying that it can't be done with the interim head coach. But we also know from last season what Jimmy Weekly is capable of in that position as well. So um, yep. it would be great to whatever he's going through. They haven't made it public, so um, whatever he is going through, hopefully it's something that can be overcome in a quick amount of time and he can get back because I know speaking for us, we would love to see him back out there uh, coaching this team. And I'm sure Chattanooga fans echo that sentiment as well. Yep. All right, moving on to Ford Madison hosting Greenville. This one was filled with drama. Uh, It did end in a one, one draw, but Ford Madison had every opportunity to put this one away. And just to sprinkle in a little bit of extra uh, drama there, in the 38th minute, Matt Glazer was given a red card. Mm-hmm. So there were some obvious adjustments that Ford Madison had to make for the remaining 52 minutes of the match. Uh, either way, Christian Cheney did score another early goal not 17 seconds but this one was 11 (laughs) minutes into the match yeah i feel like the Um, 17 seconds is going to be an unfair bar that he put on himself just a little bit but also it is christian janey one of the best strikers in the league right now so exactly 11 minutes what took you so long right (laughs) it's a good problem to have and then in the second half noah frankie for greenville scored his uh goal in the 53rd minute Mm-hmm. Big crowd for this one. Uh, was this one their record high? Um, double check. So I only have the week 18 stats currently on okay. the website that I use. Um, but Madison's average is 41.54 right now. Ooh, so they knocked it out of the park. They had 4,828. That sounds like it's pretty close to one of their highest attended matches, if not the highest. That's crazy. Congrats to Madison, man. They so when they had uh, North Carolina, was that who was was they had earlier in the match? Or no, they had Tormenta. Mm-hmm. After that, Tormenta, they uh, hosted the Women's World Cup viewing party. Um, they invited people out onto the the, the field and. Had the the match on the the big screen there. Oh man, that would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would have been a bit of a bummer to watch after that match, but still, you get to see a women's World Cup match sitting on the field. That's cool. Yeah, definitely cool. Um, Anyways, yeah. So this match, it was. It seemed like an extremely lopsided affair. Um, if you go, if you look just strictly at the stats here. Um, I mean, just in total XG, Madison was a 4.08 to Greenville's 1.01, and this match ended 1-1. Just insane. You don't see number swings like that this often. I mean, seeing it once a season is is crazy. So, um, and 
neither team really looked like they wanted to play much defense and it just seemed like the offense was there it just the finishing was the issue for both teams in this um mm-hmm. obviously madison if you go by the g plus stat the 2.46 to greenville's 0.87 i mean it just speaks to kind of the the dominance that that Madison seemingly had if all you did were was look at the stats. But, I mean, the numbers don't lie. One-to-one, Greenville comes in and finds a way to get the the draw on the road, which that's what you need to do. That's what championship teams do, and that's that's kind of in Greenville's DNA as well. So, And I can't remember if it was Rob at Talking Flock or if it was Kyle over at Walking 90. Uh, I remember seeing on Twitter soon after that match ended one of them caught devin boyce from greenville saying we got away with murder tonight yeah and looking at that score line yeah and looking at the stats yeah greenville tying madison despite those stats yeah they got away with murder mm-hmm. yeah and i mean this if we break it down a little bit further um stat wise i mean it Huge, I mean, 51 to 49% possession, so pretty even there. But Madison putting 22 shots on at two, Greenville's eight. And oh, my gosh. Here's the, here's the real killer for both of these teams and why both teams probably feel like they should have won this match. Madison had five big chances and missed four of those big chances but not to be outdone greenville only had two big chances but missed on both of their chances (laughs) just oh that's it's a killer that you gotta hate that and this was one of those matches where yeah it seems like devin voice was probably right greenville committed 17 fouls to madison's 13 and um yeah just just crazy um and just going through looking at it now real quick at the stats it, every offensive category madison dominated and every single defensive category greenville dominated which looking at these teams and historically looking at these teams yeah that's about right so how this yeah. match ended up 1-1 is beyond me yeah, I feel like if you're going to go back and rewatch this one, you need to play the Benny Hill music the entire 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of uh <laughs> a whole lot of crisp quality chances <laughs> for either side of this one, but hey, we talked about it earlier with Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado came up against teams that were playing well at that time and both of these teams probably felt like they probably got away with stealing a point from each other and uh not really either one of them being able to take a firm grasp on the game yeah but that being said i think madison had the better chances to do it but just one of those things it seems like a common common occurrence this week of just a little bit off on the polish of the team Yep. And I could not find any quotes from John Harks, but I did find one from John Glazer 
and he was saying Matt Glazer. I'm sorry, yeah, Matt Glazer. Sorry. Um, he said we're going to continue playing Ford Madison football. I thought we did that, and we were a bit unlucky in the second half to not get the win. But like I said, I thought I think the message has to say the same. We know who we are. Uh, I'm sorry. We know we know our backs are against the wall. We know no one's going to give us anything, and we're going to have to go out and earn everything that we get. The guys know that they they're brought into it. So he has this mentality of us against the world, and you know he's fully supportive of his guys. He followed it up with, "It's a great group of guys. I'm so happy to be with this group. I think we have a fantastic team." So um, it was just one of those nights where you just want to bang your head on a desk. Um, but at the same time, you just want to count your blessings that you still survived with one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, give us the three stars. Three stars. We're going to go first star going to Christian Chaney. Again, getting another goal here, um, another early goal. And Chaney, 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 10 shots, uh, one goal. Three chances created, though, as well. Um, missed two big chances, but also had two passes into the final third and um, recovered twice as well and was able to draw a couple of fouls as well. So maybe not Chaney's best night, but still one of those nights where Christian Chaney was Christian Chaney, and you could see the quality Um in him. So my second one I'm going to give to Noah Frankie. Played 89 minutes, had the goal for Greenville on his only shot attempt, but 84% accurate passing at uh eight passes into the final third, so trying to get that offense of Greenville going even though not a whole lot ended up happening, but from his left back spot also had seven recoveries and two interceptions. So sitting back there and playing both ways and also was able to draw four fouls himself. So another good one there. And my final, my final one, there's a few players on forward Madison that deserve this, but I do feel like with how many shots were put on him, Jared Mazzola for Greenville has to take one, um, had six ga- uh, six saves as well. Um, in this one six saves inside the box as well uh one diving save and 12 recoveries to go along with 39 touches as well so i feel like for the insane number of 22 shots (laughs) he uh he should get that final star so yeah it's a good star to give out All right, so after this match, if you thought there was drama in this one, there was also plenty of drama in Union Omaha hosting Tormenta. Uh, Now, you and I were obviously on hand to watch this one live. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, plenty of drama. And fans, you know, they were going with the Tormenta win, uh, 47.1% of the votes going for them, 35.3% going for the the Owls. which is strange. I saw a lot of draws just being talked about for this match on Twitter. So uh, yeah. to see either of these teams getting the 
higher number of uh, confidence in winning is is kind of crazy. But yeah, honestly, walking around Warner Park, talking to different people, both within the club and you know just regular fans, there was a lot of people very nervous about playing Tormenta that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so nerves were were on high uh, leading up to kickoff. Good turnout for for the crowd that night, though. Um, thirty five seventy three. So that was that was a good Saturday night crowd for them. Or let's yeah, see, that was yeah, that was Saturday night. Yeah, well above uh, well above Omaha's average. Uh, Omaha's averaging after week eighteen two thousand six hundred and eighty six. So Ooh, almost a thousand um, more. Yeah. Also, Omaha still seems like they're fighting the first few weeks with the weather that was just not very cooperative for the first three home matches. So, um, so they're, they're going to try, they're down from last season. They're one of those, I think two teams that are in the negative for the year over years. So, um, but yeah, I mean, start winning and, and people will come. And I think that's kind of been what's happening with Omaha as well. And just when you think, uh, Every single other team is getting PKs and not you. Looks like Union Omaha finally got their first PK of the season. They did, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, Steven Dos Santos drawing the foul in the box and JP mm-hmm. Skears cleaning up uh, from the spot. I thought it was really funny seeing Dalton Knutson going up to Pablo Hara and prepping him for the kick. Not only that, but if you watch the video, Dalton's putting his boot in the in the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's he's, a crafty play game. from yeah, a crafty play from a a veteran of this league. So yeah, he's a veteran. Um, yeah, I ain't even I ain't even mad at it. It it is what yeah. it is. It's not like he celebrated in front of the bench and the home crowd on a goal or no. something like that. So, um, that's the the good uh, the good shit talking, I suppose. I I remember him taking a few extra seconds to talk to Pablo Hara on the line. I do not remember seeing him in person putting his, you know, trying to create, you know, an uneven uh, ground, like a surface there on mm-hmm. the spot. When I went back and watched the the broadcast, I saw him and, uh, and just, just the corner of the screen, I saw it happen and I was, Oh, Dalton, I got you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and this this penalty call on Dos Santos, I don't necessarily think this call was bad enough to warrant the penalty, but there was a missed call not but two or three minutes earlier that probably should have been called a penalty over this one. So um, I got to think there was a little bit of discussion between the referees that if something's close, you should probably give them the makeup call on that one. Um, and if that is even being discussed among the referees, ooh, they should not be refereeing. I mean, I, I feel like that's going to happen because you're going to miss things and they don't want to. Um, they don't want to. Obviously, they're going to try their best not to make it unfair. But at the same time, this is a development league for them as well. So. Um, if somebody can see something a little bit better, but is afraid to try to make that call or whatever, um, 
makeup calls happen in all sports. So it kind of yeah. just is what it is. I agree with you. I don't think that it was enough of a foul to call the PK, but I, I mean, at the same time, I mean, Dos Santos, I mean, he tried his best to sell it as best he could. And well, I mean, yeah. Eckenberg did get his cleat on top of Dos Santos. So yeah, it's and not I, like it wasn't a hundred percent unwarranted. Sure. And I mean, I but, feel like teams, any team that has big, big guys up front. So you're thinking Balogun out in Lexington, um, Dos Santos, um, Cheney. Cheney. Yeah. These big bodied guys are not getting penalty calls because they're big and it's hard to knock them over, even if it is warranted. I know there's been a few for, um, a few that Dos Santos has, Look like he probably could have gotten a call, but because of his size, he's able to get through. And it's the same with Balogun and Cheney as well. So, um, I don't, I'm not going to ever advocate diving, but it's just, it, I can't relate to being a big, huge guy that can just run through tackles. So, yep. So Dos Santos uh, set up the the penalty uh, kick in the 31st minute. Then he scored his own goal in the 50th minute to put Union Omaha 2-0. That was quickly followed by a goal from Nick Okoto over at Tormenta in the 56th minute. Mm-hmm. And then um, not long after that, I mean, Tormenta tied it up in the 77th minute from uh, Mikuele Akali. Yeah, just and, a beautiful, beautiful run, taking on the yeah. entire defense and making them look goofy yeah. and slotting in a perfect goal. Yeah. At that point, I I was 100% sure it was going to end in a draw. So mm-hmm. I was already packing my bag. I was shutting down my laptop. I was getting ready to head over to the locker rooms for interviews. Um, and then it happened. Yeah. Anybody that sees me at a match, if you see me putting my feet over the chair in front of me, I've already mentally checked out of the match and I had at that point as well. <laughs> uh in the ninety I'm sorry, in the second minute of extra time in the second half, Alexi Swahi was able to uh finish a ball from Steven Dos Santos. So Steven Dos Santos not only set up the PK. He scored his own goal. Then he assisted a teammate later. This guy was involved in integral part in every goal in this match. Mm -hmm. Steven Dos Santos has really started coming into his own in these past few matches for Union Omaha, which is something that Omaha desperately needed. They needed him to come in and have the impact that was talked about in the preseason when he was signed. And he, I think he's finally living up to that billing that came at that point. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. In the beginning of the season, seeing him play, I was thinking, I, I don't know if this is going to work out. But seeing him play these past few weeks, man, he's he's found another level. And he's he's very confident in his play. And it's, it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So, yeah, because of that... Extra time goal from Lexi Swahi. Union Omaha did defeat Tormenta three to two. 
Uh, I did not find any Ian Cameron quotes for the post-match recap, but I did find some quotes from um, Dominic Cassiato, the head coach of Union Omaha. Did you find them or did you get them? (laughs) I both. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to clarify that one. Yeah, so I'm looking at the team's recap. I could easily just go over to Who Gives a Hoot to find those quotes. Let me, yeah, I'll just do that. Shout Um, out. We'll we'll throw a plug in there. Go make sure you read all of Rich's write-ups because they are all great and have these kind of things that you've been hearing tonight. Rich also gets for Who Gives a Hoot for Union Omaha, and they are all very well written. So make sure you go over there and and do that and follow all the other writers there as well. There's a lot of great stuff going on for Union Omaha specific stuff over at Who Gives a Hoot as well. Thank you, sir. Uh, so his general thoughts on the night, uh, Dominic Cassiato said, yeah, it feels good. You know, I'm a little bit, bit disappointed that we threw away the two goal lead. We were looking pretty comfortable at that stage. And then they got a goal from a deflection. We kind of let them into the box a little bit too easily. Then the second one, again, I think we switched off a little bit on the throw in. So there's definitely some areas for us to improve on, but it's great to keep going. It's great to show the fight in that spirit that belief to get the winner at the end, it's a great feeling and sets us up nicely for Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, it did. It did, yep. <laughs> yep. All right, I f- have a feeling I know who your three are going to be, but I'm still interested to hear who it's going to be. Uh, yeah, so um, the first one um, is going to be Steven Dos Santos. Uh, played 90 minutes, had one goal, one assist, um, won the penalty, created one chance, uh, three passes into the final third, um, and was able to draw four fouls as well. And like we talked about earlier, with as big a body as he has, it it's hard to get fouls from referees in League One. So um, anytime you can do that, you're you're doing something right. Um, next one for me is going to be, uh, Alexi Swahe, um, 90 minutes scored the game winning goal in the dying minutes, um, playing the center back position, had six passes into the final third as a center back, which is crazy. We talked, kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, um, was also, uh, clearing the ball at a pretty good clip at four times um, and recovered three times. So doing the center back work for Union Omaha. And my third one, I've got to give it to uh, Akile. Um, only played 26 minutes, but had that terrific run um, and took on the entirety of the Union Omaha left side to score the the game tying goal at that point um but also in only 26 minutes uh was 100% on his shot accuracy 100% on his sex- successful dribbles um 100% on his ground duels one and did not commit a single foul as well so um Achille is going to get that third spot and he's also we talk about him quite a bit on the podcast, so it was nice to see some of the way some of the runs he made in person as well. I like those choices. 
All right. Let's head into League One After Dark, where Central Valley Fuego hosted One Knox. This one went down to the wire and had a strong finish there at the end. Uh, not only was the winning goal scored in extra time of second half, there were plenty of cards leading up to that goal. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven yellows and two red cards. Yeah. Uh, the one on Maximus X, X, I just don't, I don't see that being a red card at any point in time. I mean, he's coming towards the keeper. The keeper makes a sliding save on the ground and Maximus tries to jump over the keeper, catches him. To me, it looked like midsection, but he grabbed his face, so it might have been a little bit of the face, so maybe that is the reasoning behind the red card, but to me, that's to me that's never a red card. It's, it's a bang-bang play that happens when a keeper is sliding on the ground. There's not a whole lot you can do as an attacker coming full speed at a keeper, so... Um, that is one that I disagree with. Um, and I don't I don't remember the Fernandez one well enough to be able to speak on it, but Yeah, I don't either. Sorry, uh Knoxville and Fuego. It it gets uh <laughs> watching it after dark after you've been in been to a match already that day and in my case had been drinking since three o'clock. It, it, it's kinda hard to be perfectly in mind to remember every single play perfectly yeah uh so looking at the timeline here like i did mention we did have a goal in the second minute of extra time in the second half rodolfo castro scored his goal uh it was a penalty um in the second half there now Castro is also a newly signed forward for one Knox. So this guy was thrust into the limelight and man, did he take advantage of the opportunity ahead of him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always good to see um, people getting brought in and being able to help out the team right away as well. And it looked like heading into the match, people were favoring central Valley Fuego. Uh, they liked seeing them, uh, on those back-to-back wins hosting one knock. So I mean, that's faith in them, but when you look at the, the action from the match, it seemed like it was central Valley Fuego in the first half, but then the second half was pretty much all one knocks, Mm -hmm. Um, especially after Castro was subbed into the, uh, the match and he was subbed in, I think it was the 56th minute. Yeah, 56 minute. He was he subbed in for Jake Keegan. Uh from that moment on, he had a huge impact on the on the match and the momentum that one Knox was uh feeling from that point on. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, one Knox won on the road. They got the three points. Uh they climb in the in the the standings. Man, uh I you know, I, I'll be honest, there are a lot of times when we're looking at the three stars and I'm thinking man, Brian, I, this would be such an easy one, or these are, would be so difficult to pick because there are so many good performers. This one, I'll be honest with you, man, this was, this is a tough one to pick from. It is. There was, I mean, there's, 
maybe one or two players that I know for sure. Um, and even watching the match, you could kind of tell. Um, so the first one, um, we're going to go a little bit off script and not do the this goal scorer for the first one, but um, Derek Waldeck for one knocks. Played all 90 minutes, 78% on his passing, five chances created, 95 touches as his, as the left midfielder with 15 passes into the final third. So really attempting to spring this one knocks offense, but to no avail. Um, and did not commit any fouls from his position and was able to draw one as well. So um, Derek Waldeck just was one of the shining spots for both teams in this one. Um, my second one I I want to give to Jordan Skelton, um, the, the center back for one knocks in this match. Um, played all 90 minutes with 79% on his accurate passing. Six passes into the final third as the only center back for one knocks. Um, but also cleared the ball th- nine times, had three blocks and seven recoveries with two interceptions and also was fouled once and did not commit any fouls as well. So Jordan Skelton is also doing that work for one knocks. And then I feel like you've got to give the third one uh, to the goal scorer, uh, Castro. Obviously had 34 minutes played in the one penalty kick and extra time to seal the victory for one knocks. So, um, yeah, you score the only goal, you get you get the final spot in this one. Those are good choices. I was just trying to find any sort of post-match quotes I could from either one knocks or Central Valley. Couldn't find any quotes from either one of those. So with that being said, we are done with week 20. We are moving on to week 21. We've already had one match, but we're moving on to, we've already discussed some league news. Um, What do we got? Oh, we got, oh yeah, we're got some weekend matches. Mm -hmm. So Saturday night at 6 p.m. Central, we have Greenville hosting Charlotte. Oh, that's going to be good. I like that one. Then, yeah, so I like that match. This one to me, I feel like Charlotte's going to have the edge. They've started to play a little bit better. Um, and I I could just feel more comfortable with Charlotte still at this point than I do with Greenville. Yeah, Green, um, excuse me, Greenville's defense against Charlotte's offense. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. Good matchup. And then at that same time, Richmond is hosting Madison. The Henny Darby. Henny Darby. Is this the final Henny Darby of the of the oh. season? Oh, good question. Let me check real quick. I believe um, this is the final Henny Darby. No, it is not. Oh, there's one, one more? more in September, mid-September. Week oh, 27. Beautiful. beautiful. Love to yeah. see it. The best Darby in the league. Yeah. Ford Madison's going to be hosting that one in mid uh, September. Richmond and Madison. Richmond seeming like they're kind of coming up a little bit and maybe catching Madison on a, a downfall. Ooh. Yeah. 
Madison has been slipping a little bit, um, which is pretty surprising because they were pretty consistent on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but Richmond, uh, they're showing the urgency to get back into the playoff talk. Do you remember? I should probably know this, but I'm going to look it up and see. I don't remember who won the first iteration of the Henny Derby. Um... The very, very first one back in like 2019? No, no, no. The first one this season. Uh, Forward Madison won the first one. Yep. So for this one, I'm going to say a draw in the final one. Oh, no. You know what? Let's see. Madison won the first one. So Richmond gets this one. And then we see the final Henny Derby come down with a one win versus one win winner-take-all game in late September. I like the sound oh, of that. Drama. I yeah. love it. Gotta I have it. Alright, and then a half hour after those two kick off, we have Tormenta hosting North Carolina. Ooh, Ooh. Another good one. Um, yeah. Tormenta not playing their best soccer right now. Um, North Carolina seeming like they're starting to pick it back up a little bit. Yep. But Tormenta at home, I think they're probably going to have their college crowd back in attendance again for this one. I know when I talked to to Darren on Saturday that he said that they were doing these attendance numbers that they have been without the college crowd, and they were expecting them to start filtering back in this week, so expecting kind of a bump this week. So, I got to go with a draw on this one, though. I think Tormenta will do just enough to to sting North Carolina in this one. Interesting. That's yeah. Cause because leading up to this week, Tormenta has not been very good at home. No, they haven't been worse than the league, but they haven't been very good. Mm-hmm. They um, haven't been able to so unlock that stadium yet. If the fans are, if the students are returning to Statesboro and they're looking for something to do, go to Tormenta stadium, fill it, support Tormenta, Mm-hmm. cheer them on to victory uh they're gonna need it when they play north carolina that's gonna be a fun match to watch definitely i saw all right so seven o'clock kickoff central time omaha hosts one knocks looking for vengeance on mm-hmm. that one yeah this okay. one this one i feel like omaha has kind of seen what what they can do um uh now a little bit concerned about Noe Meza. Um, don't know exactly what is going on with him. It looked like he came off the game on Wednesday uh, with an injury to the same general area that he came off the match prior with. So um, don't know his status because famously Union Omaha is very tight-lipped about injuries and their extent. So... Um, that being said, I also feel like um, Union Omaha is kind of figuring it out, and in their match against Lexington, it seemed like they did just fine without Noe Meza, so I'm going to go ahead and give the win this one for Omaha and give them a perfect 9.3 game homestand. I like it. Tim over at Ranting Blue Penguin uh, Media is saying, I'm guessing right hamstring. I think he's right on that one. It seemed that way, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we have two teams that are super pissed off 
from recent results. Uh, so this one is going to be, oh, this one's going to be really good. Northern Colorado hosting Lexington. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to be so good. Just the the pure emotion that both of those teams are going to be playing with. Yeah. So good. I'm very, very tempted to have this on on my phone inside the stadium on Saturday. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I think I'm going to uh, be able to watch two matches at once. This is going to be an interesting one. I feel like, again, it, we say this every week, and I feel like a broken record, but until they until they do it, I, I have to keep saying it. Lexington has to put together an entire match, and once they do, they will be a good team. I I don't see it against this Northern Colorado team in Northern Colorado, though. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I agree. And then, once again, we have League One After Dark. We have Central Valley hosting Chattanooga. This is the, the moment for both of those teams to reverse the momentum, start climbing up the table, avoid the wooden spoon. Who you got? Oh, this is a tough one. This one's going to be... I'm actually super excited to watch this one. I'm going to be racing yeah. home after the Union Omaha match to be able to catch this one. Um, so, Central Valley fans, if you were upset with my lack of my lack of remembering the last match that you guys did after dark, uh, no worries on the next time we talk about them. I will know for sure. Um, this one, I just feel like with everything going on and Chattanooga having to cross the entire United States to go play in Central Valley, I just feel like Central Valley is, is going to be too much for Chattanooga. They're going to be playing without Mark Zach. They are, yep. They're, they're, young, uh, they're young gun, but I feel like they, they're starting to kind of figure out their team a little bit better now, and it seems like some of the fan support is starting to come back a little bit. It sounds like they're starting to get listened to a little bit more. So um, here's hoping that that all goes well. But this match, I just... It's tough. It's tough to bet against Central Valley in Central Valley against Chattanooga. Yeah, Cerritos came off the bench against One Knox, so hopefully he'll get uh, you know the starting job now that Markazek is out. Um, you still have Ramos on the field. Uh, you still have Cromwell. You still have Mitch North in the goal. So there are still some good players there in Central Valley Fuego that are going to that could lead them to victory. Um. Man, yeah, that's that that's gonna be a fun one. League mm-hmm. one after dark, gotta love it. I love it. League one after dark TM trademarked. Yep. Um, we got Tim in the live chat um going back to the Union Omaha match saying for Noe, I'd expect him not to play this weekend for rest reasons, tried to play him too quickly. I agree. It looked like he was a little bit winded and then obviously going down with what's a probable hamstring injury in it wasn't super hot on Wednesday, but it wasn't exactly cool either. Um, so um, don't want to bring him in too quickly, definitely. And talking about Northern Colorado versus Lexington, saying that League One in their power rankings this uh, today, I actually did see this on Twitter from you earlier, Tim. So good on you for um, reminding us here on the podcast as well. But League One already gave them the bulletin board material the disrespect calling the Lexington match a quote breather for Northern Colorado before they play four teams in the top half of the table. They called it a breather. They, 
whoever did the write-ups for the power rankings said in Ooh. Northern Colorado's power rankings, they have a breather against Lexington before moving on to four top-of-the-table teams or near-top-table teams. I would not call Lexington a breather. No, and Ooh. Lexington should definitely have the uh, the bulletin board material there. They need to post that up in the locker room, make the, everybody read it about 17 times before the match kicks off, and then tell them, hey, if you don't like this perception, go out and change it. I don't think Northern Colorado is going to be taking them as a breather, though. Uh, no. Eamon Zayed, I don't think, is going to have that team thinking they can take any games off. So he yeah. just doesn't seem like the type. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not not a great choice of words there. I understand I, what they were saying, but no, no, you can't say that. Yeah. Ooh, man. All right. All right, well, we made it through all of Week 20 review. We gave you a very short preview of Week 21. We have some exciting news for anybody who has lasted this long uh, following along. Brian, go ahead and break the news. Yeah, so we're going to be continuing our uh, our interviews um, on the show. It seems like uh, everybody that listens really likes our interview episodes. So next week we are going to be joined by the head coach for Northern Colorado, Eamon Zayed, for a discussion and our usual well-researched and good questions from Rich on this one and I'm super excited to have coach on with us that he's been one of our one of Rich and I's dream gets so far um so we're super excited that he has agreed to come on and uh and to talk with us yeah I cannot stress how excited we are for this interview next week it's going to be so much fun um I'm already like trying to think of all the things that i want to ask for next week um i'm just yeah i i have so many ideas and everything uh oh man yeah this is going to be good and oh look we already have questions from tim and allison coming in are the sweaters real wool or blend will you or will you not ask him about wearing sweaters oh man you're gonna have to oh. tune in for next week but yeah. of course we will yeah you you know us come on you two especially know us we're definitely going to be asking about the sweaters but um we are super excited to have Amy Zayed on the show next week um so yeah we we have some special shout outs that we're going to be sending out next week um during that interview uh for people who helped us uh set this up um so we're excited to give honorable mention mention to everybody who was involved in making this happen. Um, and we want to thank all of you for watching and listening along to another episode of league one on the rocks. Uh, my name is rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm rich, but I'm not. That is Brian. You can find him on Twitter at mediocre ACE. Brian, you got anything else? No, I got nothing else. I'm good. Cool. All right, everybody. We will have this podcast ready to re-listen to, uh, first thing in the morning. So check back and we'll have that ready for you. Awesome. Thanks, guys.